Well, I know we're not here to talk about just any topic. This is a real, uh, this is one I take very seriously and with a lot of weight because it is about identity and specifically, I really appreciate you being open to talking about your identity of being both black and Desi. Yeah. Um, it's something that has really shaped how I grew up and still to this day, um, uh, almost daily, I find interactions that I'm just like, oh, that's probably because I'm Blindian. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I, I even last week I had someone comment on one of my Instagram videos. She's like, so what are you? And oh, that gosh. is a question that always that I always get all the time. I also resent that question because what are you? <laughs> is such a way to make you right like it like, sounds more a what sounds like an object human. yeah <laughs> it's like, i don't know i think i'm human <laughs> so you use the term blendian and i'd love to start there what does it mean to be blendian can you explain for those who might not know yeah so uh like you mentioned i am a half black and half indian and so for me, it's just the marrying of the two cultures. And so it's having on Christmas Day, my, you know, Southern <laughs> uh, fried chicken and collard greens, and mm-hmm. then also having roti and curry chicken, <laughs> like, you know, just marrying those two things together. Um, and it's also not seeing myself represented anywhere. And so growing up, just really not knowing where I belonged, because when I went over to one group, it was like, "Mm, you're not enough of us. And uh, yeah, it was really dealing with that struggle as well. So it's, you know, some of the good and then some of the bad. Yeah, I think we think it's hard enough being Indian and American, but this is another intersectionality that makes up who you are. And it's also marrying the American aspect as well. So like, we also have the traditional American foods, like the turkeys, Mm -hmm. the ham. So yeah. Yeah. But there's that part of of you that's like making tomato sauce and you're like, uh, I have to throw cumin in. (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) So funny. That reminds me, I was visiting a friend. There's a, um, another Indian friend and I mentioned I I was vegan. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, oh, I want to make something vegan for you. So she decided on a vegan pasta dish. And it was so funny because after she was done, it ended up tasting like a curry. <laughs> she's like, oh, yeah, I've never made like this type of pasta before. Is it good? And it was actually like really good. Just wasn't an Italian pasta. Yeah, you're like, this is butter chicken. <laughs> So how did your parents meet and how did this Blendian life come to be? Yeah, so my mom uh, ended up going over from New Jersey to California. Mm -hmm. And my dad grew up in, sorry, my dad grew up in California his whole life. And they had two separate friend groups, didn't know each other at all. Ended up going to the same New Year's Eve party and my dad apparently saw my mom from across the room. Mm. It's like a very like fairy tale type story. And he asked her to dance. They ended up dancing. He asked for her number. And he's like, the day after, he immediately called her. And they had a date right after that. <laughs> and they've literally been joined at the hip ever since. And 
when I say joined at the hip, sometimes they're like that weird couple that wears the same thing. Oh my gosh. You'll see them wear the same shirt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They didn't do it for the kids. They matched. (laughs) No. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that is so sweet. I mean, it's so uh, like now the older I get, I really appreciate unions like that, knowing how difficult it is also to, you know, have a committed relationship where you can grow old together. And so, um, just really love that story. And like, the online dating thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so much better. Absolutely. (laughs) It's like sweet, simple. (laughs) Definitely. So how did your parents talk about this Blendian identity? How would they explain it to you? Especially, I'm sure you would come back from school or growing up, have questions. What were those answers like? Yeah. So I never really asked them what it was to be Blendian. It was more so like, I I read an article recently by, um, where they quoted Kamala, and she said that her mom always told her that she would be more accepted by the Black community rather than the Indian community because she was darker skin. Mm -hmm. And that was more so what I heard. Mm -hmm. It was more so that like, okay, Indian people aren't really going to accept you as one of them, uh, but Black people will. Yikes. It's really embarrassing and I am ashamed to hear that, but I think I can understand why that was said and perhaps true. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, I guess, I also saw it when I would join like the um, Indian Association clubs at my school and I would tell them that I was half Black and half Indian, even to this day, actually. Uh, whenever I tell someone Indian that I meet that I'm half black and half Indian, it seems like they have amnesia about the Indian part. (laughs) So then like, we'll talk about it later on in our friendship and it'll just be like, oh yeah, we're celebrating Diwali. Do you know what that is? It's like, yes, no, (laughs) explain it. So is that what you found that you tended to gravitate towards the black community over the Indian community? I think I tried to, but at the same, in the same aspect within that community, I also got that my voice didn't sound right and that I was too nerdy and that I wasn't like interested in a lot of the same things. And so I kind of just got stuck in like this middle area of just like, I don't belong anywhere. Wow. That is so real because the search for belonging is something that starts so young and it continues the whole part of your life. And the one thing this made me think of on in a sort of separate landscape is in companies when they're trying to measure inclusion, McKinsey did a study that found the best way to find this is to search for people's and assess for people's sense of belonging. And one of the ways they actually ask that question in those like surveys you get is like, do you have a friend at work? And that just having a friend at work that you consider like beyond just an acquaintance can make such a difference for someone to feel like they belong. So it goes to show like no matter what setting, whether you're a child at school, but are an adult in a corporation, like that belonging is something we search for forever. Yeah, yeah. It's like normally 
even if you feel like you don't belong in school, sometimes you can like gravitate towards like a group that's similar to you. Mm -hmm. But for me being black and Indian, I never met another black and Indian person. I would say ever uh, in like real life, Um, even just a mixed Indian person. The only one that I've ever met was in Chicago about four years ago, and she's half white, half Indian. Mm -hmm. And she even said she's never met another mixed Indian person as well. Yeah, now that you say that, I'm realizing I I don't know anyone who is half black and half Indian either. I think the folks that I know who are biracial that share Indian as one of their half is Caucasian. Yeah, definitely. Even to this day, I when you mentioned the Blendian project to me only a couple of weeks ago, I was just like, that exists? What? Yeah. <laughs> like I immediately looked it up because I, I don't see it. And I was just like, oh my God, this is awesome. <laughs> right. Um, and I... I also remember when I was in college, I was in an interracial relationship with um, a white guy and this was in Virginia. So the South and we were walking down the street and someone ended up throwing trash at us. Oh my gosh. And they were driving by in a car. So they like threw trash out their car window and they were just like mixed couples. Ha ha ha. Like, I don't know. They couldn't think of anything else to say. No kidding. That's a real Pulitzer Prize winner. (laughs) But yeah, just (laughs) I never even thought about it until that happened. And I was just like, oh, I guess we are a mixed couple. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry that happened to you. It's a lot, you know, and I've gone through therapy. I've gone through now I do hypnotherapy, which really dives deep into trauma and I've been able to work through all of that stuff. So I am able to laugh about it now. Mm -hmm. But back then it it really did hurt. And it made me want to like hold myself away from people. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Or people tell you to get over it. Yeah. And it's just like, ugh. It's not that easy. I was having a conversation with my friend about this too of, it's not because people don't want to get over it, but it's because you have to acknowledge the history to understand why things are the way they are today. And mm-hmm. it's just so important to understand that context before you try to have an opinion or try to even take action on what's happening in the present. Not to mention these people don't, you know, this is not something of the past. These people exist. We are here looking to be acknowledged, looking to belong. So you know, it's not something that you can be like, oh, I don't like to get political or just like agree to disagree. You're like, no, this is my life you're talking about or someone else's life you're talking about. Right. Like it might not be as bad as it was 100 years ago, but the sentiments trickle down and they transpire into different things that still hurt, you know? Absolutely. Um, And I remember reading an article not too long ago about this woman. She always identified as a white woman and um, she ended up doing some gene research or ancestry research. And she realized that her mom had been living as a mixed woman married to her white dad, but because that law wasn't passed yet, um, she wasn't supposed to be married to a white man. So she had to basically pretend her whole life that she was a white woman. So she said 
when she was thinking about it more and more, she realized like, oh, my mom always wore makeup. I never saw her without makeup on um, or without her hair done. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah, it's a very sad story. Absolutely. And and it sounds like the husband didn't know, right? That she was He didn't not know. White. Wow. Honestly, I cannot imagine what that woman was experiencing in that time to know that that was the right decision to make because it's easy for us to now in our position here in time and history, we can say, oh, she shouldn't have done that. Like, why would you do that? Who knows? I mean, you have to just survive at that point. So I really just feel a lot of sympathy and compassion for someone who has to make that decision like that to hide your identity yeah. from your entire family. I mean, family. I just think that it's commentary on how people had to live, you know, in order to survive and what things that they had to do and they shouldn't be judged for it. I just think that it's a sad thing on our society that she had to do that. What's interesting to me about that story is that concept of sometimes even when you're in an interracial relationship, it can feel sometimes like you are trying to explain your identity, even if they know who you are and your identity, that there could be racism within the interracial relationship that you have to call out. Yeah. Um, and I, and so I was curious, like, is that something that you've experienced? Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, I like, I don't know if you know what hair wrapping is at night. Yes. So, okay. So basically you like wear a hair cap, you wrap your hair up And I always avoided that in the beginning of relationships for like the first couple months because I was like, oh, they're going to think that I'm really weird. They've never seen it before. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to have the conversation about it (laughs) right now. And so I would always wait to do it. And then whenever it happened, I would get the questions of like, oh, what is that? What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And so that's one thing. And then also, um, like I mentioned, during holidays, We always have like cultural foods. And so something that my family loves to eat is pickled pig feet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so with that, uh, whenever I had boyfriends come over and they would see it in the fridge, they would just be like, oh my God, (laughs) what's in your fridge? And so then I would have to like explain it to them. But this is something that like I loved from my childhood. And then I had to feel kind of embarrassed about it and just kind of like explain myself back of like why we do it and why we enjoy it. And yeah, it is very interesting when you are in an interracial relationship and you do have to kind of explain yourself to someone. That makes sense. I feel like earlier we would, especially like maybe 10 years ago, you saw a lot of romanticizing of interracial relationships, like just seeing two people who look differently together get together in a movie was like, oh, so sexy. But actually, I feel like I'd love to see more of like what happens next with these interracial couples, because there are a lot of tough conversations that have to take place constantly. And sometimes the person you love the most might ask a question and not say the right way. And you have to kind of think about like, okay, the intention, like the curiosity and like balance all those things. Like this is something that constantly my fiance and I work on and Mm -hmm. I really appreciate how we do it. 
Um, but it is not completely easy. So I, I wouldn't say that it's as easy as like you find someone who's American too. Um, and that's just the thing you have in common, right? There are a lot of dimensions coming into play. And I've been on the opposite side where I remember a second date with this guy who was slash is Caucasian. And he was so disgusted by the Indian food we were having at the restaurant. He complained when the bill came and like straight up said like that wasn't worth it. I didn't like any of the food. Um, and he even, um, kind of made me feel really embarrassed when I talked about my family and like some of the strictness that I grew up with out of that kind of immigrant protective, you know, spirit that our families have, he would just say like, that's really strange. Like your parents sound really paranoid. Um, and I never wanted to feel that way again. I remember leaving feeling so uncomfortable and being like, how can I ever be with someone who doesn't get this part of me? Yeah, I, I definitely get it, though, like feeling like you're the one that's weird and you have to explain why this thing happens to this person that is like in their mind normal. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, so it, yeah, I totally get but it. But like what is normal, right? Like clearly it's a Western right? Anglo definition. Even down to having people over your house when you're younger and having them be like, oh, what's that smell when you're cooking something, mm -hmm. you know, and then having to explain like, oh, that's what, I don't know, curry smells like, right? <laughs> you know, something completely normal to you. <laughs> Absolutely. And in fact, now, like, yeah. right, you miss it. I have, I'm like brought to tears when I smell my mom's curry, like when she's same. visiting her, yeah, I'm like in India, I'm like, thank God. Yeah. And it never tastes the same anywhere else. Or just like, I don't know what you do. I know. Like, Absolutely. No, no one can make it the same. <laughs> exactly. I mean, speaking of dating, so did um, dating lead to a long-term relationship at some point for you? Yeah. So I was previously married. Um, so I, yeah, <laughs> I went into that long-term relationship. So Ended up getting divorced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was married uh, about seven years, uh -huh. I, I believe. That's a long time, um, girl. Got a divorce about, yeah, I know. I, I got married really young. Uh, but yeah, got my divorce about four years ago. But through that, that was also um, an interracial relationship. And so mm -hmm. it, when you're married to someone, it's also dealing with their family on that side, you know. And none of them have ever really been in an interracial relationship like that, mm. uh, at least a long-term one. Yeah. And so it's kind of explaining yourself not only to your partner, but also to them on why you do things. And they're not always the most receptive because relatives are older. And mm -hmm. I remember this one story of when I went to go meet his grandma and I was just like, oh, my God, I've heard so much about you. Like, it's so great to meet you. She goes to shake my hand and she's just like, oh, wow, you have such an amazing tan. Like, where did you go on vacation? And I was just like, oh, uh. <laughs> but it's like things like that that are bigger, but then also smaller things of you have to explain, in my mm -hmm. case, hair to them and um, even down to why we have certain names, you know, why we don't choose to name our kids certain things. And yeah, so Absolutely. it's that whole package. 
I can certainly appreciate that now seeing, you know, being engaged, how much the family, it is so much more important to have that almost um, unconditional, I have faith that I'm going to belong um, feeling for both parties, right? And, you know, sometimes it's not always the case where everyone understands everything about each other. Um, And as long as you have that curiosity and that like genuine interest that, you know, they want to understand, you want to understand, I think that's always really helpful to at least start. So what led to you and your ex going separate ways? So uh, like I said, I met my ex when I was really young. And so I was mostly just looking for stability. I I really wanted to be a married person. <laughs> it was like always my dream mm-hmm. to get married and have kids. And so I like uh, gleefully got married very young. We didn't have a ceremony or anything. Mm-hmm. It was more so of like an elopement even. Uh, it was very rushed. Wow. Yeah. Pre-COVID I know. <laughs> we were ahead of the time. <laughs> uh, <and> so, <laughs> started yeah. the trend. And so right after my marriage, I ended up uh, becoming a flight attendant. And so <laughs> mm-hmm. I ended up going off and like traveling a bunch and not really seeing him that much. And so that put a strain on our relationship. Um, and you know, there were obviously good moments. We had two fur babies. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it just ended up becoming kind of more abusive. And so the thing Mm -hmm. that I kept hearing from him was that um, I, if I ever left him, then I would have no one else to go back to because my family wouldn't accept our divorce because he knows that Yeah, because he knew that my family, um, not that they didn't believe in divorce, but that divorce was like the last option. And yeah, Mm -hmm. so that was always held over my head. And I also had that feeling, you know, that my parents, they've been married for so long. Uh, Will they accept me getting a divorce? And how will they feel about that? And so that honestly kept me in the relationship longer than I wanted to be. I am so sorry to hear that that is how he weaponized that very intimate detail about our culture. It's obviously not something that we even want to protect, you know, this notion that divorce shouldn't happen because if that is what is best for the individual and couple, that should, you know, stigma shouldn't stop us, right? Um, And so especially that sense of shame and failure that is associated with it in general, but especially Indian culture has a really, um, I think there's some bound like leaps and bounds to go in terms of breaking that. Um, And so I can't imagine, yeah, having to think through that and then being reminded by someone who's using it in in a very (laughs) ill-intentioned way. Yeah. I, um, I've actually been seeing a lot on Instagram, uh, campaigns for Indian women to basically have someone to reach out to, uh, in the case that they want to get a divorce. And these people just say, you know, we'll support you. Even if you feel like your family will leave you, we'll support you. And I just think that's so amazing because sometimes it does feel like that, that you can't leave a really bad situation because everyone's just going to judge you. Absolutely. As if it's not hard enough, right, to make that decision. Yeah. How did your parents end up responding? 
Oh, the complete opposite way. Oh. When I called them, they ended up like driving that day. <laughs> like, um, yeah, they were just like, whatever you need, we'll help you. And uh, so when I had to move out, they were the ones that came and like helped me move out. They helped me set up my new place and like, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was nothing like how I thought they supported me the whole way. I know sometimes it is a really pleasant surprise to be shown that it's all in your head, but yeah. it's also hard not to feel that way because a lot of the times we grow up with that message. Right. And I mean, I remember like I, we had a divorce in the family and it was so, um, it was so uncomfortable, the experience, instead of framing it as these are two people who really tried to make it work and it just wasn't meant to be. There was a lot of villainizing of the other person who was like the in-law and there was just a lot of um, shame and secrecy around it. So I imagine if it was this uncomfortable for the people who are just a part of the family, I can't imagine how much more uncomfortable it made it for the two people going through it. Yeah, I, I totally feel the same way. It was like, when I was married, I thought that I had to have that um, to be stable. And I was just like, wow, how am I going to survive without someone else? Like, what if I lose my job? What if, um, I don't know, anything happens and I don't have someone else to like lean on, even if it's like not financially, just emotionally, like to have someone to lean on. But once I got my divorce, I just... I suddenly felt free. I was just like, oh my God, I don't need anyone. I have this really good job where like my ex told me like, oh, you'll never get a job after this or like, you'll never make the money. To, yeah. <laughs> and I was honestly really scared about that. I was just like, oh my God, I'm not going to get a job. But um, no, I, I ended up getting the best job that I've ever gotten. And then it's led to me starting my own business and me being really driven in that business and, you know, not thinking like I need another person along my side. It's like if that person comes along and if there's someone that I really want to be with, then that's amazing. But if not, then I, you know, I could have everything. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's a terrible thing yeah. to hear. And I'm glad that you were like, not only am I going to prove you wrong, but fuck you, I started my own yeah. business. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's a really nice thank you next yeah. move to pull up. <laughs> and look, I might get that society didn't always look this way. You know, before women did have to stay in the institution of marriage because it was literally their economic position or status for them to be able to feel protected in society. But that was like, hundreds of years ago mm -hmm. i we have progressed so beyond that yeah. so kind of you know an ode to understanding the past in order to focus on the present it just makes you realize like eh, not applicable anymore right yeah and it's just like letting them know that we can do it now like <laughs> i know before it was so yeah. hard and we really didn't have systems in place for us to be able to be stable on our own but now it's like it's still hard but we can do it <laughs> absolutely yeah. and thank god yeah <laughs> just so many more options yeah. uh, but I, I definitely even though my parents supported me in the divorce I still felt like it was a more of a hushed thing 
of where mm-hmm. I wasn't supposed to just like go off and tell everyone that this happened. It was like a slow release of like slowly telling people yeah. that it happened. And yeah, it, it was like a weird thing around it. Did you prefer keeping it low key? Was it, you know, I could see on one hand, maybe it's helpful because then you can kind of take your space and then um, be able to deal with the questions or telling the story with your friends. Um, On the other, it can limit the ability to sort of acknowledge what happened and moved on, move on. Where did you fall in that gradient of feels after? Yeah. So for me, something that's really important, as you know, is telling your story. And so I was ready to tell my story of my, of my divorce, even though my parents weren't. And Mm -hmm. so I, I kind of, (laughs) I let my parents think that I wasn't like telling people. I was just like, oh yeah, I'll like, oh, I'll keep quiet about it. It's fine. But then, I, I mean, I was telling people. I, <laughs> I didn't really yeah. feel feel any shame around it. I was more so protecting them because it felt like something that they needed. Uh, I guess it for totally. it to be a slow release. Is there in this moment was there a difference between how you felt accepted for this story with the Indian community and your black community? No. Uh, In this moment, I would say it was exactly the same, actually. First of all, I just admire you for your courage. That is not an easy step for anyone. And then when you add this dimension of cultural pressure and stigma, it has to be even more difficult and just stickier, right? Like trying to be able to make those decisions. So thank you for like being open about it. And I just really, really applaud you. Thanks. Yeah. It's taken a lot of therapy. <laughs> but, God bless. <laughs> yeah. I actually saw this meme uh, yesterday that was saying like back in the whatever, like 50s in her parents' time <laughs> that uh, two people were talking and they were whispering and they were just like, oh, did you hear that Karen's going to therapy? <laughs> and like, they were like whispering it. And then it was like fast forward to millennials and it was like, Oh, girl, guess what my therapist just told me? (laughs) It's like, nowadays it's like so normal, which is amazing. As it should be. Yeah. Yeah. I can't really like even picture life without therapy now, you know, like it. Same. I can't imagine. Yeah. Like before it was like sort of indicating like something's wrong with them, but you're like, everything is wrong with everyone. It's just up to us to like, yeah, unlock that and be able to like move on. Yeah. That brings us to the end of part one, but don't worry, boo. Part two will come out just in a few days.